0: Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to start in reading in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The message this morning: rejoicing in God's grace. Rejoicing in God's grace. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open Thy precious Word. Thank you, Father, for uh, the the Sunday school hour and what we heard there and how it encouraged our hearts. And we thank you, Father, for the music and the singing and that encourages us and strengthens us and and Father even challenges us and gives us hope uh, in. Our coming Lord Jesus Christ. And Father we pray as we look into the word of God now. That again we quiet our hearts before you. Give attendance to thy word. And I pray that the spirit of God would work. And encourage. And continue to to, to challenge and encourage us. In our walk with the Lord. May we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ who loved us. And gave himself for us. We do pray in Jesus name. Amen. Rejoicing in God's grace. You know grace means goodwill or loving kindness, favor. Favor. Uh, One definition is what is due to grace, the spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace, your position or status. You realize if you're in the Lord this morning, if you know Christ as your Lord and say you have a favored position, we notice here in verse 2, he says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. It's talking about our position. And the voice and hope of the glory of God. The word stand means to place or to set up in the presence of others. And you and I, that, that know Lord Jesus Christ our Savior, have been set up. We are favored. That's really what grace means, to be favored. Theologians call this status gratia. It's a Latin. I'm not sure I pronounced it right. But it means simply means the status of grace. It's our position or where we stand in the eyes of God. And when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, accept him, we are given this favored position. You know, think about, I was thinking about this a little bit the other day and And about all those that the Bible speaks of that God favored. For example, Daniel 1.9 says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Luke 2.52 it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But what brought that about? What brought that about, that increased favor with God and man? Well, verse 51 says... He went down with them, the Lamb was supposed to be Joseph and Mary, his legal parents, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. He was subject unto Because he subjected himself to the authorities that God the Father put in his life, he was favored. You know, Really, our favor with God comes as a result of our subjecting ourselves to his authority. And Daniel subjected himself to God's authority. He didn't question, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? He simply submitted himself to the authorities God placed him under. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. That was Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Jesus was subject to his authority as a child. And therefore favored. He had received... He received favored status. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, and verse 26, it says, And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor, both with the Lord and also with men. And the and, and Bible tells us in chapter 3 that Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. So he, he, was, he was submissive to Eli, the high priest, as if he were his own son. In fact, Eli called him my son. Referred to him as my son. Remember when the Lord spoke to Samuel, and Samuel, thinking Eli called him, ran to Eli and said, Thou callest me? He said, No, I called you not. And finally he said, he, he said to him, My son, you know, Say, speak, Lord, for thy servant here. He referred to him as a son. And, and, and the Lord, when the Lord did speak to Samuel, you know, God is not partial about this, when, when the Lord, through the prophet, spoke to Eli, he says, them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me will be lightly esteemed." See, God's not partial. You might say, well, God favored Daniel. God favored Joseph. God favored Samuel. But God's not partial. He says, anyone that will honor me, I will honor. But anyone who despises me, I will lightly And so this favored position that we have in Christ, in the grace of God, is given to us as we submit to his authority. And we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice in God's grace. And So as we think about rejoicing in God's grace or this favored position, I want to notice several things about this this morning. First of all, we're rejoicing in hope. In hope. You know, the song they sang in the last verse talked about there is a place that he is preparing. It's a hope. Now, the word hope in the Bible means a confident expectation. It's a confident expectation. You notice again verse 2 it says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in hope. In other words, we're expecting it. And, so, and we rejoice in that expectation. You know, hope is a matter of faith. It is something we expect to happen, so it is future. It is not seen. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, Paul says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Sight. So hope is something that's not seen that we see by faith. For not a man seeth, why did he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? So it's something that we do not see, but we do have. We do have a good reason or a sound basis for our hope. That is the word of God. It's not like one of us saying, "Well." Well, Ryan's Ryan saying, "Well, I hope I get married someday, and I hope I have some children." You know. No, we have a we have a firm basis for that. You know, that, that's kind of like, well, I'm hoping, I'm I'm i kind of wishing. You know, that's that's kind of what I like to do. But you know, I don't really have a a a a strong, firm basis for that. That's just what I want to do. No, we have a firm basis. It is the living word of the living God. You know, Peter said in 2 Peter 1.19, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11. <clears throat> Hebrews 6, verse 11 says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. You know, the writer is encouraging the Hebrews don't give up. We have this expectation. Hang on to that expectation to the end. They be not slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Abraham had hope. You know, that promise of Isaac didn't come for 25 years. But he didn't give up hope because he believed the word of God. Verse 16, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, by the, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we ha- might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into the veil, that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. See, we have this hope as a confident expectation. We know God will keep it. He will fulfill His word in His time. Therefore, we can live according to that hope. Now, there's two aspects to this hope. Two aspects to this hope. First of all, there's the hope of the revelation or the appearance of our glorified Lord. And that's verse 2. It says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You know, our hope is, or our expectation is, we're expecting to see the glory of God. God glorified. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 17 verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had before thee, with thee before the world was. You know, Romans 8 chap- and verse 17. Romans eight seventeen, Paul says, If children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so that we suffer with him, that we may be also, and that part is still future, we may also be glorified together. You know, one day the Lord's going to be, you know, has already been glorified. But One day we are going to be glorified with Him. And we're going to see that glory. Thessalonians talks about our blessed hope and the glorious appearing. see no, that's Titus. Second uh, Thessalonians 1.10 says, When He shall come to be glorified in the saints and to be mired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. You know, Philippians 2.10 talks about every knee shall bow. Of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth. That every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're, we're, We're hoping or we're expecting that glory of God to be seen. The revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it's coming. We know it's coming. We're certain it's coming. We don't know when, but we're certain it is. And we have the Word of God that tells us, and God has kept every promise that He has promised. Think of all the Old Testament prophecies He gave. He even prophesied the time that the Messiah would be born, and it was fulfilled. He prophesied that He'd be born of a virgin, and it was fulfilled. You know, 700 years before it happened, He prophesied. And so we have that hope, that blessed hope. We also have a hope or an expectation of the glory of God to be revealed in us. Now, here I'm talking about the present, not the future. Notice verses 3 through 5. It says, and not only so, now this part we don't like, but we glory in tribulations. With glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience. And experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. See, we should hope for the glory of God or expect the glory of God to be revealed in us. We, sh- you know, we should, as God's children, expect or desire for God's glory to be seen in our lives. But how is it seen? How is it manifested? Tribulation. You say, oh, pastor. I know this is some popular preaching. This isn't why I don't have a crowd this morning. You know, people don't want. To They'd rather listen to Smiley. It tells you all about all the good things that's going to happen in your life. And be all positive. But this has the most positive effect that anything in your life can have. Because it can demonstrate to a lost world the glory of God. Paul said we glory in tribulations. The word tribulation means a pressing together. Pressure, oppression, afflictions, distress. That don't sound like fun. I want to do several things about this, and I have three things here about this, this, this idea of God's glory being the hope of God's glory being revealed. First of all, we are appointed to tribulation. We have been appointed to it. 1 Thessalonians 3, 3 and 4 says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and you know. As we heard Sunday school this morning, Paul went to Thessalonica. There's an uproar. There was persecution. Paul was running out of town. He just got whipped and thrown in prison in Philippi. There was affliction and persecution, but out of that affliction and persecution, a jailer and his whole house were saved and a church was started. Out of those afflictions at Thessalonica, a church was started, one of the better churches described for us in the New Testament. And Jesus spoke of these things in John 16:33. He says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. It would be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, we're appointed to tribulation. We're appointed to it. But tribulation, number two, tribulation is for our God allows tribulation in our lives to develop us as God's people, as God's children. Notice again, verse 3 and not only so, but with glory and tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience. And experience hope. So tribulation works patience. That word patience is steadfastness or constancy or endurance. It speaks of a man that's unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty loyalty to the faith. Even in the greatest trials and sufferings, he'll do it. He's loyal to the faith. Experience. It's tried character. Character has been proven. as personally encountered. And having gone through tribulation. Hope. Of course is expectation. A joyful and confident expectation. So tribulation worketh. You know the word worketh. Do that which something results or it brings results. So through tribulation, you and I, we can become mature Christians. Firmly fixed, established in the faith. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and verse 10 But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while. Make you perfect. Establish. Strengthen. Settle you. You know if you've gone through. Some experience. And experiences some tribulations in your life. And you've gone through them. And remained faithful to God. When another one comes. You don't get alarmed. They're not as alarming. Because you've experienced it. You've experienced it. You see, these tribulations are for our growth. You know, James tells us, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing the trying your faith worketh patience. You know, D.L. Moody was considered a great evangelist. And I'm not going to debate or say anything about that. But but I'm gonna, what my illustration is this. Dio Moody wanted to make sure his sons had what he didn't, and his sons departed from the faith. He made it easy for him. He made it easy for him. You know, it's not bad for our children to have it tough. Because it builds character. You know, one of the problems... In fact, go to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel 16 verse 49. <clears throat> Behold, Ezekiel 16:49. "Behold this was the iniquity of thy sister, Sodom. Now, before I read it any further, what would you say was the sin of Sodom, the iniquity of Sodom? Sodomy. We all know it was sodomy. They were a bunch of sodomites, homosexuals, you know. But this verse says, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. And you would think, when you would have all those things, the next phrase wouldn't be true. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. You know, it's often those that have abundance of things and abundance of idols that are selfish. That are self centered. And that's what Sodom was. See, the fruits of this was sodomy. You no, know, tribulation works patience. You know, we see this in every in, in experience and hope. We see this in every other area of life. You know, you don't make a good shipman or a good mariner by smooth seas. It's the rough waters that teach them how to sail. It's the rough waters. And it's the storms and trials of life that teach us how to walk with the Lord. How to glorify God in our lives. How to cope with life? You know, all these snowflakes can't cope with life because they've been pampered all their lives. You know, one of the riots of years going by. Oh, it was the Missouri College thing. Remember about that? And they've actually, you know, they fired the the principal of the um, Mizzou. I think it's called. They call it. And, and you know, a, a lot of those kids that start all that were from parents that made over hundred thousand dollars a year. They were very wealthy, but yet they acted like they were poor. You no, know, tribulation is for our growth. Thirdly, our tribulation is also for God's glory. Notice verse five: "And hope maketh not ashamed, because of love of God." Now again. Tribulation works patience, patience experience experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now Paul said in Second Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, for our light affliction, I'm not sure I would call his affliction light, but he says our light affliction is as but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are seen, not seen, are eternal. Peter in 1 Peter 1.7 says, The trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 4.14 he says, If you reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On your part, their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. And I think Peter was probably thinking back to the time that he was arrested, he and John, for preaching the gospel, and they beat them and they let them go. And the Bible says they went away rejoicing. That they were kind of worthy to suffer for his name. And you know what? The more they beat them, the more the church grew. the more the church grew. I'm not espousing for a beating this week. But that's the way it happened. You know, Shaw's first child was born in Greenland. And the state required every child to be christened In the state church. In order to get a birth certificate. That's pressure. They're in a foreign field. They're already looked at as weirdos. As strange. With suspicion. Looked upon with suspicion. And now they're pressured by the state. To have their child christened in the state church. When I got the prayer notification email, I said, God's going to do something. Because I knew Brother Shaw was not christening his child in the state church. And God did something. You know, their trial, their tribulation, their hope in God brought a change in government policy in the nation of Greenland. It changed the national law. And their faith and their hope, their hope in God was strengthened. And God was glorified. And He was manifested to a people through their tribulation. You see, the fruit of this tribulation is an overflowing abundance of God's love shed abroad. Again, notice again verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed. And we're talking about this hope and glory in our tribulations. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see, when, when, when you go through an experience like that, and you realize that it's God's favor that brought this about. It's God's love for you and taking care of you. And, and, it, and, it, and it begins to be shed abroad. That word shed means to pour out, and the word abroad means from place one place to another. It's to distribute liberally. You see, when God reveals Himself to you through your trials and your tribulations of life, and you see His hand stressed out and meeting your needs, is to have God's love. And His presence clearly manifested to you. It will make you cry, Abba, Father. And it will put in your heart a burning desire like Jeremiah said. You know, Jeremiah said, but His word was in my heart as a burning fire. Shut up in my bones and I could not stay. I was weary with bearing and I could not stay. You see, you will want to tell others about it. Because of what God has done you. Because you didn't give up hope. You know so many times people will go into a tribulation you'll think about the seed and the sower and one of them was when, when, when the cares of this life or if there's a, a little trials and affliction you know, they die. They give up hope. They give up hope. Say, in the midst of our trials and tribulations, we're not to give up hope, but allow God to work and manifest Himself. Jesus told the maniac of Gadara, Go home and tell how great things God has done for you and hath had compassion on, me, on thee. You know, when you begin to realize what great things God has done, when you begin to understand where we stand by the grace of God, You will not be ashamed of the hope that you have. You know, people will say, yeah, I know, preacher, we've been hearing that for years. We've been hearing the Lord's coming. Well, we haven't seen it happen. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, you've been preaching this rain story for a hundred years now, but come on, it's never rained in the whole, whole, whole world. I mean... But see, when God works in your life, it'll make you not ashamed of something you believe in, but even though you cannot see it with the eye. See, hope makes us not ashamed. Hope doesn't say, you know, I've heard this phrase, God never did anything for me. Once want you to notice also, Christ gives hope to the hopeless and helpless. Notice verses 6 through 8. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us, and that we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were ungodly, unrighteous sinners, and without strength, Christ died for us. The word without strength there means weak, infirm, feeble, unable to achieve anything, destitute of power, weak and inferior, sluggish to do right, lacking in manliness and dignity, as having no power to promote piety or salvation, lacking in decision about things lawful and unlawful. And if you are without Christ, you are without strength, you cannot do anything about it. You can't do any works that can change your status before God. You're weak and unfirmed. Even though you may look like a Samson. The only thing that will change your status in standing before God is repent. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, we are saved by him. Verse 9 says, much more than, much more. That's a day of so much more than. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ took our wrath upon ourselves. He took the judgment of God for us. But not only are we saved by Him, but we are preserved by Him. Notice verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, and there's that phrase, much more again, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And that phrase there has the idea that we are preserved by Him. Not only are we saved or given eternal life, but we are preserved or kept by the life of Christ. Because He lives... Also to live. You see, our Lord is now seated at the Father's right hand, not dying for us, but interceding for us. Hebrews 7:25 says, "Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost to come unto God by him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them." I like what it says in Jude one twenty four. Now unto him that is able to keep you falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You see, he's able to keep us from falling. Yeah. I grew up in a church that taught you could fall from grace. They didn't use that terminology. But that's the same teaching you know they. I think it's the Nazarenes that talk about falling from grace. Or you can lose your salvation. No, my Bible says that he ever lit because he lives, that I am preserved by him. It's him that keeps me from falling. Peter says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, Paul wrote to Philippi, He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. So God begins the work through his son Jesus Christ and performs or carries on the work through his son Jesus Christ. He will perform it until the day or the return of Jesus Christ. First John 2.1 says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an in, one that goes between us and the Father." We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You see, Jesus Christ alone can save me, and only Jesus Christ can keep me saved. Colossians 3, 4 says this, when Christ, who is our life. now Think about that phrase. Christ, who is our life. He didn't just save me. He's my life. He's my life. He's what gives me life. So he is not only who saved me, he keeps me safe. He preserves me. Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall you also appear with him. You see, we can rejoice in God's grace. Yes, it's a hope. It is a hope. Have any of you ever seen him? Your faith isn't sight. It's believing in something that you do not see with the natural eye. But based upon the Word of God, we can have full assurance that faith one day is going to be sight. And I'm as certain of it as I'm as certain that tomorrow the sun will. You know we can rejoice we ought to rejoice when tribulation comes into our life. I don't like the pain my wife's in but I am thankful for the opportunity I had yesterday to talk to a man about his soul. I don't know what the Lord's going to do with that. But we need to rejoice, count it all joy, and we rejoice in the hope that's set before us. How is it with you this morning? Are you rejoicing in God's grace? Do you have hope? Jesus said, I'm come, that you might have life. You know, there is hope in him, but it's only in him. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are without You are helpless. We all are helpless. He is our life. Do you know Him? Are you rejoicing in His grace?